welcome back to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. My name is Helen, and as always, I'm so glad to be with you today. If you've been listening to our podcast, please remember to hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical. It's a medical clinic that provides free reproductive health care services for women in the Seattle area. Once again, we're being joined by 3W's president and medical director, Dr. Susan Rutherford. How are you doing today, and what are we going to be talking about? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. We're talking about menstrual cramps, pain with periods. Yes, I love this topic since I personally have had these you know, issues with cramping since I was 11 when I started my period. Yeah. So actually I did too. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is that like a common age for women? Yeah. Like around mm-hmm. fifth grade? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 12 is considered, I think, kind of the average oh. starting right around there. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, let's talk about menstrual cramps. Okay. Well, you and I both had them. So how many yes. people have them? <laughs> At least half, some estimates as many as 90% of young women. Oh, gosh, get that makes me cramps. feel a lot better. Yeah. So, <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. And uh, for me, it started like the, immediately. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Yes. But sometimes too. it could start a few months later. The first cycles may not be ovulatory cycles, and mm. it may work up to starting a few months after their periods begin. Okay. Um, in that situation, it's called primary dysmenorrhea. Dysmenorrhea is the medical term for cramps. Oh. Dys meaning okay. like abnormal, and uh, menorrhea refers to m- menses. Menses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, it is, believe it or not, the leading cause of short-term school absenteeism oh. in that age group. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember staying home a few times. I, I stayed home at least once or twice a yeah. day per month, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very popular topic among women that are coming to our clinic. Has in, it been? In their 20s, yes, especially, yeah. <laughs> it's just several within the last week or so, yeah. Wow. All right. So are there any symptoms that go along with cramps? Yeah, sometimes you're not only having the pain of the cramps, but you can have nausea, mm-hmm. vomiting, mm-hmm. diarrhea, Headaches, supposedly even muscle cramps, so I'm not familiar with that happening to me. But... What does that mean, muscle cramps? So probably like legs and things like that. Okay, like yeah. kind of feeling yeah. tight? I think so. Okay. Yeah. But but the nausea and the diarrhea, mm. yeah. The diarrhea is probably because it it's related to the cause of the menstrual cramps, which are the prostaglandins. So oh. Also, sometimes people don't sleep very well. No. Yeah. <laughs> How can you sleep yeah. comfortably? Yeah. And so. w- when you're struggling with this, they found that there's a higher incidence of depression and anxiety, you know, and other wow. quality of life measures. So. Okay. Yeah. For most people, fortunately, it's just usually a few days a month, you okay. know, anywhere from one to three or four days. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it. But for me personally, I've been charting my period since I was a teenager. So Uh I always was able to anticipate when my period was coming. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Sometimes it was late. Sometimes it was early. But I took ibuprofen before. And I I remember a doctor telling me that take it a couple of days before. Yes. And then the cramping could be... A lot less. A lot less. Yes. How does that work? And that's very true. That's very true. Well, let's talk about what causes it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all... Because ibuprofen ha- treats the cause, okay, which is very interesting. But anyway, so first of all, you probably ha- are having ovulatory cycles if you're having menstrual cramps. 
Okay. In other words, you're probably producing an egg each month. Mm-hmm. And in order to ovulate, a lot of things about your health have to be good. Okay. Like all your hormones, thyroid, other other uh, medical issues that people might have, okay. you know, can, can impact this. And so this is a very good... It's almost like another vital sign to say people are having ovulatory cycles. Wow. So okay. that's, that's the reassurance for those people that are suffering with the cramps. Okay. What happens is there are prostaglandins, which are a type of locally acting hormone that are made by the tissues. Also, other there are some other inflammatory substances, something called leukotrienes. And they've actually found that the menstrual flow has a high quantity of the prostaglandins they've taken used tampons yes <laughs> with blood filled with blood and measured the quantities of prostaglandins and those women with the cramps have like twice as much of the prostaglandins what? in the menstrual flow yeah wow so but anyway so so ibuprofen and other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory Drugs mm-hmm. actually they interrupt the prostaglandin production. They mm-hmm. also do some blocking at the the uterine muscle level. Okay. Of the actions of the prostaglandins, and okay. yeah, so so in uh, two ways it decreases the menstrual cramps. Okay. And if you are tracking periods, you can tell, hey, my period's likely to start in a day, or you start getting some mm-hmm. of those other little premenstrual symptoms mm-hmm. like breast tenderness, like craving. Pain, how about craving for chocolate? chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was definitely me. I feel like that's us all the time (laughs) around here. Yeah. So, okay, very interesting. By the way, when people take prostaglandins, they need to also make sure they're eating something and they're drinking plenty of fluids. Yeah, I remember taking ibuprofen on an empty stomach. It just, it made me feel worse. It tears it up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So So, what is the treatment of menstrual cramps? So the the prostaglandins are absolutely the mainstay of treatment. Okay. There are a few other things that can be done. You know, Tylenol is a pain reliever. It doesn't do anything to why people are having menstrual cramps. It doesn't treat the cause like ibuprofen does. Okay. But it does help with pain. In fact, many times a combination of ibuprofen and acetaminophen otherwise known as Tylenol, are used for post-operative pain relief. Mm. They're very effective together. Okay. And so the use of narcotics mm-hmm. for the, for post-operative pain has, mm-hmm. has decreased because of the use of those more okay. aggressively. Okay. There used to be some, I think it's still around, something called Midol. Yes, Midol. Yeah, and it had, it had Tylenol in it, acetaminophen. Oh, just another name for it. Right. It okay. had caffeine. Oh, so caffeine is not bad to mm-hmm. take to you know have some caffeine. Everything in moderation. Yeah, it the caffeine works as a diuretic, and okay. a lot of people will notice they get a little puffy just yes. around the beginning. Yeah, and then yes. that that goes away as they go through their period. Okay. So it'll help relieve some of that fluid retention. Okay. And then the but mitol also has an antihistamine, and antihistamines mm. can be used for anxiety. And so it's to help with just kind of... Wow. But, so my doll isn't doing a thing to treat the menstrual cramps. <laughs> it's just treating some of the symptoms. Right. I never found it worked very well. And but. and are these medications safe? Yes. Okay. Yes, I would say safe. Okay. You know, the, the non-steroidals generally are safe and mostly we're talking about a fairly young, healthy population. Okay. However, there are some people with certain medical problems that are related to inflammation, asthma, for example, mm. some people with kidney problems because too too much of the non-steroidals can affect the kidneys, maybe some blood clotting problems, okay. things like that that people so if people have medical 
concerns, they mm-hmm. need to specifically talk individually with their doctor. Okay. But in general, they're pretty safe with those precautions. Okay. There are also limits to how much you should take. You know, people have actually come in overdosing on non-steroidals or overdosing on Tylenol. That's been used for attempted suicides. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And don't do that. Pretty, no, don't do that. It's, don't do that. And the people that do that are really miserable. Really okay. miserable. And so anyway, but so at some point I'd like to go through some of the dosages. Yes, of, please. Of what, are specific, yeah, okay. what are the specific? Yeah, what are the specific doses? So ibuprofen, one of the common trade names is Advil. And when you get it over the counter, it comes in 200 milligram tablet sizes. Mm-hmm. Prescription doses are 400, 600, or 800 milligrams yes. per yeah. pill, yeah. per tablet. The 200, though, you might as well take two or three of those, you know. So what I found was the best dose was taking three of those pills, which would be 600 milligrams 600. every six hours, mm. okay? You could also take 800 milligrams, but then you're supposed to wait like about eight hours, Oh. The goal is to have no more than 2,400 milligrams in a 24-hour period. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. So one thing, one thing that's good about this and gives people a little bit of flexibility is that in the, the exact dosing and timing is that if you're just taking it for like one or two days, yeah. uh, unless you take huge amounts, you probably are not making a big hit on your kidneys. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. When, when I was having really bad pain my my provider said to take six to eight hundred mm-hmm. but if it's only for a short period of time she said it's fine it's Cause absolutely I was, fine because i was worried about my kidneys i was worried yes. about like other things that yes. you know down the road could affect it so yes okay okay there are uh, some other of the same type of medication that are siblings to ibuprofen you might say or cousins to ibuprofen okay. the most common one is naproxen, naproxen. Uh, yeah there's a common trade name of naproxen, there's anaprox, there's naprolan. I think there might be some others, you know, because there are a lot of generics. Mm-hmm. There are a couple different formulations of the naproxen. One is called uh, naproxen sodium, and the dose is slightly different, is slightly higher. It's probably because the compound has a higher molecular weight. But in general, if you're looking at naproxen or naproxen, okay. You want to take no more than 1,500 per 24 hours. A lot of the pills come in like 250s. Mm-hmm. So, and they may say take 250 twice a day. Well, that's only 500. Mm-hmm. So you've got plenty of room for increasing that. Okay. Or you can take 500 twice a day. Naproxen is longer acting than the ibuprofen. So oh. it's commonly a twice a day dosage. And that's what, you know, they talk about arthritis and joint pain on TV. They talk mm-hmm. about, only oh, I have to take it twice a day. That's yeah. what they're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you can take it three times a day. So like in every, roughly every eight hours. Okay. So up to say 500 every eight hours would be. Okay. And 500 is like a, a prescription dose. Okay. So what I'm talking about is that people need to sometimes, in fact, commonly need to go to prescription doses, mm-hmm. not just the doses on the boxes that you buy over the counter. Okay. Same medicine, mm-hmm. just have to up the dose a little bit. And and listeners, if you're if this is a lot of information, make an appointment. Come yes. in and talk to Dr. Rutherford. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She'll help you figure yes. it out. <laughs> I'm also I'm working on a detailed patient handout. I haven't finished it yet, but okay. soon. So that they'll okay. get all these details so that they can refer to it. Yeah. Because one thing I learned actually reviewing some of these things, mm-hmm. was, and I didn't realize, was that the naproxen actually has a higher incidence of uh, upset stomach. Because of its long-acting uh, nature. So, okay. Whereas your 
hopefully eating more frequently when you take your ibuprofen. Sometimes you just don't feel like eating. There are a couple of other non-steroidals. One is methanamic acid, Ponstol, and another's uh, Celebrex. Okay. I loved Celebrex. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It helped. Okay. I've never actually prescribed it. Oh, Um, okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Those are a couple other options. Those are both prescriptions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I took Celebrex for a short period of time and mm-hmm. thought it helped. You thought it worked well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And what are other treatments um, that you would suggest? So, you know, people should take care of their health overall. Yes. And exercise is on the list for almost every health disorder. <laughs> and so it's on this list, We're too. We're going to keep beating that exactly. drum. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, somebody asked me the other day, well, how much exercise? And I said, you know... Especially if you feel like your period's coming in the next few days, okay. make sure that you're not just sedentary sitting in front of a screen. Yeah. Get up and do some walks. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just do a good couple of walks a day, yes. that counts. Like half an hour? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. It doesn't okay. have to be extreme exercise, mm-hmm. but just keep moving, especially when you're getting close to your period. That may also help some of your fluid retention problems. and. Mm-hmm headaches and other symptoms that you might have. Okay. Yeah. So heat locally, you know, the sort of a gentle heating pad or whatever, those things you throw in the microwave now. and Yes. Yes. I had like a a hot water bottle. On your tummy. Yeah. One of those old fashioned where you fill with the hot water. That would work. Lower back too. Yes. There's no evidence that lower back pain, lower back cramps, which mm-hmm. are also pretty common, mm-hmm. happen and that women that have had those have back labor when they go into labor. Oh, but really? a lot of people ask me that, but I've asked many women uh-huh. in labor with so-called back labor. Yeah. I've said, did you have menstrual cramps and did you feel them in your back or your tummy? And I couldn't find any pattern, but, okay. and there's no data. Okay. So... But you kind of wonder about some of these things. Okay. There are some dietary supplements, and I'm not familiar with them, mm-hmm. but there's a whole list of things like fenugreek, ginger, valerian, zataria, zinc sulfate, fish oil, vitamin B1. And although it's far from conclusive, maybe vitamin D, but you know, mm-hmm. in the Seattle area, we all need some vitamin yeah, D. Yeah, you should take it anyways. <laughs> there are lots of things, good things about vitamin D. Yeah. So. Okay, very good. And and you encourage people to move even though I know yes. when I'm on my period I'm just so tired. Oh yeah, sometimes I'm so you, tired. you just have to lie there. Yeah. But if you're as you're approaching your period. Okay. Yeah, Appro- I'd say yeah, as you're getting as you're okay. approaching your period. I mean, sometimes you all you can do is lie there. Yeah. So, in a ball. In a ball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, what if those medications don't work? So, if those don't work and you've really been through a good trial of the, maybe several different non-steroidals, added some acetaminophen in, mm-hmm. you know, tried the exercise, put all those things together if you have to, yeah. and you're really not getting relief, and especially if your pain is not just during your period, especially the beginning parts of your period, mm-hmm. if you're getting pain during other times of the month as well, or sort of constant and long-lasting, okay. then we start worrying about what's called secondary dysmenorrhea, which means that there's some uh, abnormal medical cause. Okay. okay. That's so your body telling you there's something else there's going something on. There's something else going on. Okay. Yeah. The most commonly, it's endometriosis. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've heard that all my life. Endometriosis, that word. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So there can be some things in the way that the reproductive organs are 
formed that are actually congenital anomalies, okay. little blockages and things like that that uh-huh. could, could create a backup of, of menstrual blood, uh, say, in the uterus, and that could cause pain, okay. things like that. But those are those are not very common. Okay. By far and away, the most common one is endometriosis. Occasionally, people will have uterine fibroids, maybe mm-hmm. some ovarian cysts. Maybe they've had a sexually transmitted infection mm. and have some damage with scar tissue mm-hmm. around their reproductive organs. Yeah. In that case, they might also have more painful periods. Okay. Um, so if there is this chronic pain that's not just period pain, mm-hmm. then in, among adolescents, they find that about two-thirds of them have endometriosis. Wow. So it's pretty common. Is it a genetic so, thing? Well, there are, does tend to be some maybe ge- genetic predisposition because there is some familial trending in that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's not strictly genetic. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I know all the women in my family, yeah. except for maybe yeah. two, mm-hmm. all had te- we all have terrible cramps. Uh-huh. All of us. Yeah, like, and I think you bit. told me at one point one of your relatives had endometriosis yes. diagnosed with endometriosis. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's common in my family. Yeah. So I'm, I am I wasn't surprised when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So even if you have endometriosis, still the number one pain reliever or relief for the menstrual symptoms is still the nonsteroidals. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. still number one. And how does someone know if she has endometriosis? Well, again, you got this historical clues like the chronic pain. Sometimes on physical exam, we can feel some abnormalities and particular tender points deep inside when we're feeling during a pelvic exam. Okay. And some little lumps in places there shouldn't be little lumps. Yeah. Like around the back of the cervix, for example. And so we might get some suspicions. But the only way, and ultrasound can't see this stuff usually. Mm -hmm. So the only way to know for sure, unfortunately, is to look in the abdomen. Oh. Because endometriosis is where the tissue that you would normally find growing in the lining of the uterus, ready to shed and then shedding every month, you Mm -hmm. find little patches of that, of those cells, that type of tissue in other areas of the pelvis. They can be uh, on the side of the pelvis, they can be on the outside of the uterus, they can be on the ovaries, on the tubes, even okay. on the intestines. Okay. You know, so basically the only way you can find that stuff is by going inside and looking. Okay. Um, most common surgery is laparoscopy, where they make a hole at the belly button. Okay. And so it doesn't have to be major, big incision abdominal surgery. Okay. Um, is it painful? They, well, most laparoscopies are not. Okay. And you're under anesthesia, and okay. recovery is usually pretty easy. The pain is not bad. Okay. But when they go in planning surgery, they're often prepared to also treat. Okay. They will try to remove those little spots of endometriosis, those little patches, okay. either by cauterizing them, which is sort of, sort of burning, mm-hmm. or by actually snipping little bits out. That has some effect and, and some effective reduction of pain. Sometimes people have minimal endometriosis, but a lot of pain. And some people have very little pain, but they have other reasons, such as infertility, mm-hmm. for looking for endometriosis. And mm-hmm. they find widespread, terrible-looking endometriosis, but the patient has a, hasn't had much pain. So, so interesting. Yeah. it's not. There's no clear answer. You know, yeah. All you can do is try and make things better. Yes. Um, but like surgery is the number one the puzzle, way of doing that. Fit the puzzle pieces together. That's right. To minimize the pain as much That's as possible. That's right. Right. Okay. 
And how about future fertility issues that well, you know of? That's, that can be the other reason that people get diagnosed with endometriosis is that they're they're trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. they're not getting pregnant. They're ovulating. The husband's sperm count is normal. So you mm-hmm. think, gee, things should be working. Right. And so then they end up going with a laparoscopy and gee mm-hmm. whiz, they find endometriosis. Okay. So the treatment of that, hopefully the sur- surgical, then you could go ahead and just get pregnant right away. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Some of the treatments, unfortunately, are medical and take some time to try and reduce that that tissue, in which case you're not going to get pregnant while you're being treated. Right. So it's a big process. Okay. And what other treatment options are there for yeah. cramps? Well, the hormones. Okay. So I've heard of many young women who have been starting on birth control pills mm-hmm. because of bad cramps. Yes. And yes, they're very effective, mm-hmm. but you have to question what do you want to do with your body? You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are very careful to buy chicken that never got hormones or yes. beef that never got hormones yes. you know so non-gmo to, non-gmo yeah so yeah. um so i think twice about the hormones you can do birth control pills and you can do a lot of the long acting the shots the implants mm-hmm. the hormonal iud all mm-hmm. those sorts of things to mm-hmm. help right. with menstrual cramps many of them by just shutting down the periods to begin with i see so they're just okay. not having periods do, but um, do yeah. you think these other methods could potentially mask like other health issues that your body, like the secondary. So if you went on birth control pills, yeah. for example. Yeah, like this, um, like you said, secondary dysmenorrhea. Dysmenorrhea, yeah. So could it? Yeah. So it doesn't appear that that the birth control pills actually cure endometriosis. Okay. You know, yeah. they they get rid of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. But they don't really cure it. Mm-hmm. When you stop the birth control pills, your body's going to uh, reset to what its normal intention was mm-hmm. after birth control pills. Yeah. And some people might have, I mean, you can get pregnant even if you've been told, gee, you won't get pregnant because you have endometriosis, you can still get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. It, it still could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just could be a little bit harder and a little bit less frequent. So. You, do, you can't take that as a guarantee. Well, <laughs> yeah. The yes. only way to know is by trying to get pregnant. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you don't, you don't know. And there's no data to support that treating, say, somebody who's 16 who has really bad endometriosis or ha- has endometriosis, that mm-hmm. treating that person surgically at age 16 mm-hmm. will mean that at age 25, when they want to start a family, that they're going to have better luck. At that point, there's no evidence that the early treatment okay. prevents it. There, there's there's the thought that it might, but nobody knows for sure. Okay. Okay. So, again, if you have questions, please come and see us. Come talk to Dr. Rutherford. Yeah. It's very easy to make an appointment. Just yeah. give us a call. And are there any other things that women can do to reduce their cramps? Oh, that's a good question. I mentioned the dietary, the exercise, the heat treatment. Yeah. You know, it's really important for family or close friends to be supportive because yeah. one of the things is that is that cramps can be so debilitating it is. during uh, you know at least for a couple of days that yeah that having somebody you know tease you about it or give you a bad time about it you know it's nothing anybody caused mm-hmm. themselves yeah. certainly nothing they want mm-hmm. and so we need to you know women need to support each other and their families yes. need to support them and encourage them and say it's okay and mm-hmm. maybe try some other things or here's some tea. Here's some tea. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All those other things to you know, it's amazing how much our our attitude and our emotional well being yeah. can help us even when we have chronic pain mm-hmm. or serious illnesses. 
You know, mm-hmm. good supportive people around you can make a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. I can attest to that as, you know, my cramps were so bad when I was going to the UW where I fainted in class one time. I remember oh, no. that. And my classmates, though, were so nice because they knew what was happening and they took me to Hull Health. Uh-huh. Like they yes. literally held me up to go. And uh-huh. it was so comforting to know that there were other sisters that, that were with <laughs> knew, you on that. knew what was going on yes. and and yes and again just you know listening to your body and making sure that you take care of yourself it can be very debilitating yes you can miss work school yes you know important things are in our lives so yes where can our listeners get more information if they're curious so i one of my favorite spots is the american college of obstetricians and gynecologists website and that's ACOG.org, A-C-O-G.org. Okay. And we have a link to that, I think, on our app. We do. Yeah. Yes. And then there is one specific for endometriosis. There's an endometriosis association. And so if you go www.endometriosisassn.org. Wow. Yeah, you can get a lot of detailed information there. There are okay. support groups for endometriosis, you know. Yeah. It's a, that's a big deal. But basically, you know, come in, we can, yeah. we can uh, be sure, because people might worry other things are wrong with them. Mm-hmm. We can say, no, you don't have ovarian cysts. Mm-hmm. No, you don't have fibroids. That's all normal. Mm-hmm. Your, your anatomy all is fine. It feels normal on exam. Your cervix looks normal. Everything looks normal. Yeah. Come so in for peace of mind. You're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come in for peace of mind. So you're always such a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for educating us today. But it's time to wrap up our conversation. It's always so interesting, especially for me when I'm going through it myself personally. But as always, thank you for listening. Thank you to Dr. Rutherford. 3W Medical for Women provides free reproductive health services in the Seattle area. You can find more information about what we're talking about and various other topics on our website. And that's 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, then medical.org. Listen to other podcast episodes by clicking on our podcast tab on our page. If you like what you're hearing, again, please subscribe. Please share it with your friends and families so that you never miss out on a new episode. And until next time, stay healthy and be well. Thank you.